One of our first members, part of the charter membership of this church, is bringing the word today. Andy Duncan was just a little guy when the church started, grew up here, went through the youth ministry. His parents were discipling him, and the church supplemented their work and went to Bible schools, came back, and Jeff and Sean recruited him to become youth pastor, served here for over five years, youth pastor and also worship pastor, got married, went to Florida, served at a church in Florida, and now they are answering the call of God to make preparations to go to Berlin, Germany, next year to serve the Lord. So Andy Duncan, come right on. Right. Well, thank you guys so much. It is, uh, it's so good to come home and be with family. Um, y- you know, every time that I see, I come here, some of you guys, you're like, I've never seen you in my life. And that's okay. You're still my family. Um, I still like you. So, um, and it's just good to come home. And I, Thank you, Alan and the staff, for just letting me come and and, uh, share God's word with you this morning. We're going to be turning to the book of Luke. The 19th chapter is where we're going to be. So for those of you that uh, brought your Bible or the handy-dandy iPhone, iPad version of it, um, please turn. Luke 19 is where we're going to be. And um, while you're turning there... I'm going to do kind of a purpose quiz. I'm going to throw out a couple items. I'm going to ask you a question as to what is the purpose of this. And I realize I might get some flack for this, but the purpose of a hat, specifically Notre Dame, but a hat. Tell me what the purpose of it is. Shield your head. Somebody in the last service said throw it in the trash. I I threw it at them. Anyway, um, yeah, it's to shield us from the sun. To protect us, for some of you guys, to be fashionable, you know, it's cool. Um, what is the purpose of a hammer? To drive a nail. That's a, that's a carpenter right there. Yeah, we use it to build things with, throw it at people. Anyway, we do whatever, we, these things that were created, were created with a purpose in mind. Anything that cre- that's created was created with a purpose in mind. And in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God said that we were created in His image. So you and I were created, we can deduce by something that's naturally created, we can deduce and reason that there was a purpose behind that which was created. And so therefore, you and I, who were created in the image of God, were created for a purpose. We can deduce that. But we don't have to go off of deduction and reasoning. We can look to the Word of God. We can go to Psalm 139, 13 through 18 that says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days, all my, sorry, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Our God designed us for a purpose. And some of us, we, this next passage of Scripture, we've memorized it. We have the plaque that's hanging on our wall with this. But Jeremiah 29, 11... Yeah, 29.11 says, For I know the plans or purpose that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And here's the deal. I've traveled around a lot. I, 
And I think we as believers, we, we memorize Scripture like Jeremiah 29, 11. We want to believe it. But I find so many people in the body of Christ around the world that they fall short. They find their, themselves in their lives floundering because they, 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 to a degree, they, they understand that that's how God designed them, but they don't actually believe it and they don't search out what that purpose is. And the problem is, in today's society, there's a lie that's permeating specifically the Western church that says that God's purpose for your life is to prosper you financially. That, you're, that he was created and you were created so God can make you big, fat, and wealthy. And I'm here to tell you that that is a lie. That's not the purpose of God's, God for your life. The American dream is the American dream. It is not God's dream for you. And his prosperity is wrapped up in eternity with Christ. The riches of glory that's found in that far surpasses the wealth of this world. And so for us, we need to find our, our, our purpose in the word of God, in the full counsel of God. And so this morning, we're going to dig into a snapshot of Jesus' life because he's going to demonstrate what our purpose is. He's going to tell us what our purpose is, and he's going to demonstrate how to walk that out. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 19, verse 1, and you can read along with me. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was a short stature, a wee little man. So he ran ahead and climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when he, they saw it, they all complained, saying, He is gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I, ha- I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. Now, for some of you guys, you grew up in, in children's church. You grew up um, going, sitting in a classroom with flannel graph. You guys remember the old flannel graph? <laughs> yes. Some of you guys are like, it's still modern. No, it's not. So anyway, you grew up and we all sang the, the songs that Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he... But here's the deal. I want to give you some background here because there's some things that you need to understand because this is not like this little children's fairy tale story that we have going on here. Jericho at the time was one of the most wealthiest areas in all of Israel. It was was a place where it was kind of the resort area. It was the Las Vegas of its time. Whatever happened in Jericho stayed in Jericho. You know what I'm saying there? You know? And so... So this is where all the wealthy, the powerful King Herod, the king that was on the throne when Jesus was born and tried to kill all the the children two years and under, his son took took up the palace that his father built in Jericho, and that's where he ruled and reigned. This was a place of power and a place of wealth 
and pleasure. The second demographic of people that live there, and I find it really funny because I think we in the Western church tend to do this, is where it, it was religious people. It was Levites and priests. It was like, well, where do I want to plant a church? Well, right where the wealthy people are. Let's go there. And so it was a huge demographic of these religious people that were there. Okay? And so Jesus is walking through Jericho. This is everyday living for Jesus. You know, the author of Luke, the reason that he wrote Luke is one, he wanted the Gentiles. How many of you guys here are Gentiles? Awesome. Some of you guys are like, I don't know. I don't know. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. So, um, so he wrote it specifically so that the Gentiles could understand the message of Jesus, could understand his everyday living. There's so much insight in this book as to how Jesus just lived every single day. And so on this particular day, when Jesus is traveling to Jerusalem, which happens to be his destination for crucifixion that he's going to, he passes through Jericho, okay? Everyday living. Every day you guys pass through a Jericho. It may be the place where you work. For you students that I'm seeing all through here, which is awesome. It may be your school. It may be the gas station, the grocery store, the annoying family member down the street. It, whatever it is, that's your Jericho. That's your everyday living. And Jesus was strategic to go where people were at that were hurting and broken. And every single day we encounter those people. You and I do. I'm a creature of habit. I go to the same grocery store to buy my groceries. I don't have H-E-B and Kroger right across the street from each other to be like, well, I got coupons over here. I'm going here today. Um, You know, I'm a creature of habit. So it's the same people that check me out at, at at my grocery store every single Saturday when we go to get groceries. I encounter the same people all the time. That's my Jericho. This is your Jericho. Jesus is just passing through. He's just living life. Nothing fancy, right? You guys got that? And as he's living life, he comes across a man, a man named Zacchaeus. Now, you need to understand something about Zacchaeus. He's a chief tax collector. Now, most people don't understand this, but a chief ta- well, a tax collector, in order to become a tax collector, you had to, one... You had to go to the Roman government. You had to bid to, to tell them how much money you think you can get out of the Jewish people. And if you had the highest bid, the Roman government would grant you the ability to be the tax collector over that region. Now, for them to get paid, they had to charge people more than what they bid. Okay? So how many of you guys enjoy giving your money away? No, not really. Not to the government. Pay your taxes. I'm not saying don't do that. Um, but um, but this is, this is the culture. So tax collectors were deci- despised, one, because the Jewish people hated the Romans. They absolutely despised them. And then for any Jew that would side with the Roman government to take money from the Jewish people, those people were despised. Now, Zacchaeus wasn't just a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector. That means he was the boss of these guys. And these tax collectors were ruthless. One commentator said uh, that, he, uh, that you could compare the Jewish tax collectors of that day to the uh, 1920s mafia of New York. They were ruthless people. So for any of you that know mob history, Zacchaeus was the lucky Luciano. 
of tax collectors. He was ruthless. This wee little man that we make so innocent in our child songs with the, was a ruthless man. And so this ruthless man that had everything, had money, had wealth, had power, had everything, for some reason, he hears about Jesus' reputation, hears that he's passing through, and there's still something on the inside of his heart that's saying, I need to go check this out. You know, for some of you guys, your past, you were the worst of the worst. You were a Zacchaeus at the time. You could lie, cheat, steal, pop the pill, tip the bottle, do the one-night stand with the best of them. You were a great sinner. And some of you are like, yep, I still am. I still am. That's who you were. But thank God for the grace of God that we are a new creation. And that's no longer who you and I are for, for those of us that call on the name of Jesus. He's changed us. He's delivered us from that lifestyle. And so Zacchaeus is searching. Some of you guys in this room, you're searching. He's searching for purpose and meaning in his life. And so he runs ahead, and like any good businessman, he climbs a tree. I don't get it. I don't understand. I mean, that's kind of humbling to me. He's like, oh, I can't see people. I've got to climb this tree. Um, but he climbs this tree. And Jesus does something that's absolutely phenomenal. And I know this is theologically deep. I'm going to hit you with it. Jesus says his name. <gasps> now, here's the deal. I don't know if Jesus was previously introduced. If you remember, one of Jesus' disciples was a tax collector. Matthew was. I don't know if he was previously introduced. Um, and I don't know if this was the Holy Spirit just dropped it in Jesus. is like, hey, that guy up in the tree, that's Zacchaeus. But I do know this. Our God knows your name. He knows your thoughts. Right now, he knows whether you're thinking about the cowboy game or lunch. He knows it all. It's okay. My team already won on Thursday. I, don't, I can stay here till 3. Um, um, but he knows your name. He knows your thoughts. He knows your desires. And today, on this day, Jesus called that name out, Zacchaeus. He knows you guys. And for some of you guys that are searching for purpose today, that have not found it in Christ, it's an exciting day for you because the Savior of the world is calling to you today and saying, John, Emily, Whatever your name is, that Savior is calling out to you today. And so not only does Jesus call Zacchaeus' name, he steps up his game. He says, I'm going to eat with you. I'm going to your house to eat with you. Now I want you to imagine, I want you to imagine if one of the leaders of ISIS walked into this place. And Pastor Allen said, Muhammad, I'm going to go eat with you today. I'm going to dine in your house you and I would respond the exact same way that these religious leaders responded. Don't, don't give me this like, oh, I'm more spiritual than that. No, you're not. You would sit there and imagine the horrors of what could happen to Pastor Allen. And these people, in their religious piety, was like, oh, I can't believe Jesus is going to eat with that man. You know what? 
Jesus didn't care. He was not embarrassed by the sin of Zacchaeus. And he's not embarrassed by yours. He came to die on a cross. He came to take on the shame of our sin by hanging naked on a tree. He is not embarrassed by what you've done. He's not embarrassed by your past. And he's not embarrassed by Zacchaeus. He wants to meet with them because Jesus knows the power, the transforming power that happens with one encounter with him. So Jesus invites him. Actually invites himself over, which is even more bold. That's cool. That's just like, that's street cred right there. Drop the mic and walk away. That is awesome that Jesus did that. And so Jesus goes and dines with this guy. And so Zacchaeus' response is going to give us insight into three different things about our purpose. Okay? And so I'm going to read those things that Zacchaeus did, and then we're, we're going to talk about it. In verse 8, Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore it fourfold. If you're going to live a life of purpose, the first thing that you're going to have to understand is you have to live a life that's changed. Zacchaeus was changed. The lucky Luciano. I mean, I'm sure he had a list, just a long list of things that he had done that was just absolutely, you and I would sit there and our jaws would drop as to how wicked this man was. And his life was changed in that moment with Jesus. You know, I... uh, a couple weeks ago at our church, our pastor gave the gospel at the end. And I, I just, I happened to ha- have the privilege of being able to be on the worship team that weekend. And uh, I watched this. There were three or four people in our congregation that for the last five years have been attending faithfully to our church. In fact, some of them were serving in some of our ministries. And they responded to the gospel because they realized my life looks no different from the day that I prayed that prayer some whatever years ago. And if you pray that prayer 20-something years ago and you've been attending this church week after week and there's no difference in your life, I'd say this, you may not have actually met with Jesus. I know that's harsh, but I don't, I don't fear what you think of me. I fear what God wants to say. I I fear him, and I want to make sure that today that we leave this place as people of purpose that, uh, that are people who are changed and transformed by the power of the gospel, by the power of Jesus. And I guarantee you this, that the Holy Spirit is here today drawing your heart and wanting to have a relationship with you and transform your life. And so a life of purpose is a life that's changed. The second thing that we see in Zacchaeus is a life of purpose is a life of generosity. For those of you that know Jewish law, anybody that, uh, the law required that basically if you had wronged somebody or falsely accused them, you were required by the law, I believe it's to give back twice the amount. I think it's two times. Um, Zacchaeus went above and beyond that. He's like, no, two times is not enough. I'm going to give you four times back. 
I'm going to give you four times back what I took from you. Zacchaeus had learned that when you're in the presence of Jesus, when your life has changed, generosity is the natural overflow. And here's the deal. I've been, uh, one of the things that I get to do is I get to disciple teenagers in our worship team, and we're walking them through the book of 1 Thessalonians. I love this book. Anybody a 1 Thessalonian junkie? Yeah, yeah, I know the women's ministry is about to go through that. Um, I love the first chapter because Paul addresses the church of Thessalonica and he shares with them what their reputation is among the believers around the world. And he tells them, he commends them to say, hey, look, in Macedonia and in Achaia, they know you by this characteristic, by this quality that's within your life. And it's such an amazing chapter. And when I, le- I, I, when I look back and when I think constantly, you guys get brought up in my mind on a regular basis. I don't know what it was, whether I, it was just this was the church I grew up in or I was on staff with, but you guys are in my blood. I don't go a week without thinking about Generations Church. I really don't. And when I think about you guys, And when I talk to missionaries around the world and pastors that know Pastor Allen and know this church, there's a common thread of what Generations Church, what you guys are known for among the body of Christ globally, and that is that Generations Church is a generous church. That is awesome. That's your reputation that's known in Serbia and in Croatia, and in Romania, and in India, and in Honduras, with the children that you guys support every single month. You are a generous people, and I commend you. I say, good job. Keep going. That's amazing. Do you realize how amazing that is? That that's how the body of Christ recognizes this body? You guys, I'm always blown. Every single time that I talk to my parents and they're like, yeah, we had this guy come in and the church gave this and it was amazing. And I'm like, what in the, this is an amazing body of believers. But let me just challenge you one more step in this. And nobody, nobody on staff has asked me to do this. This is just something that's in my heart from the Holy Spirit. Generosity goes much more beyond the financial. God has called us to be generous with our time, with our talents, with our passions. God has planted that on the inside of you guys. And you are called by God. The purpose of God in your life is to use those gifts for his glory. And so for some of you guys, I, I'm just going to say this, and I know Shake's not here, Karen's here, and uh, she has not mentioned any of this to me. I'm just saying this as a musician and a worship leader. Um, There's nothing more frustrating than seeing somebody in the body of Christ that has the talent of music and they not use it in the body of Christ. That's, that's, I'm sorry if that's kind of convicting some of you guys, but I'm like, God has called you. He's gifted you. You have a purpose to fulfill. Some of you guys, your time needs to be given. I love Debbie Ellis. If you don't, if you haven't spent... If you spend five seconds with Debbie, you know that this woman is the most generous giver of her time. I mean, she spends long hours counseling you women, praying for you women. Like, it is amazing. Like, I've watched this woman for 20, almost 25 years, I think 24 years. And I think you have a great example in her and all the staff that's here at this church. 
It's the way, it's to the way that they give of their time to serve you week in and week out. And some of you guys, you have time. You can sit there and give of you. Some of you, you have the gift of teaching and you're doing nothing with it here. Wow, I'm kind of like getting out of my comfort zone and saying this. Like you have the gift of teaching and you are called by God to start a Bible study or to help with the youth or to help with the children's ministry. I'm calling you to up the ante. Step out and be generous with your times, with your talents, with your passions. Some of you, you are so compassion-driven. You can't, you can't watch TV and see those like compassion commercials without just getting in the fetal position and weeping. You know, you know, that, you know who you are. That's who, that is a gift from God. Use it for the glory of Jesus. You guys are a generous people, and I thank you guys for that. And then the third part, the third part of what we see of our purpose is found in verse 10. And it's really the purpose of Jesus. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. Let me say this real quickly. If you're taking notes, this is a good one. If you are a follower, if you're going to call yourself a follower of Jesus, you and I are commissioned to do as he did and to live as he lived. He was fully man. You guys do realize Jesus was fully man and fully God. He operated under the power of the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living and active inside you. You have the same ministry to seek and save that which is lost. At the grocery store, at the gas station, at my job, for you students, for the students that are walking through the hallway, you have been commissioned to go and seek and save that which is lost. And as I'm saying this right now, I know that the Holy Spirit is putting people on your mind, family members and friends that do not know Jesus. And my challenge to you is in this next week, be strategic. Pray for them. Be strategic in the way that you share the good news of Jesus with them. Because we have a lost and dying and hurting world as we're passing through Jericho's that need to know this Savior. <laughs> they need to know this Savior. And so Jesus, Jesus says this, that the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. This is an area... Um, that God has specifically been challenging um, my wife and I in. Um, you know, because, let's just be honest, I, I don't want to be up here and be a captain spiritual with you guys and act like I don't struggle with this. Um, it is very easy for me to pass by people and to let them continue in their path of sin and on their path towards hell. But the Lord's definitely been challenging my wife and I in this. And so... What I want to do is I actually want to invite um, Jess up here to share uh, what God's doing in our life and how he's moving us and how he's, he's impressing us to step out in faith in this area. Well, as many of you know, Andy and I, um, I had the privilege of coming into this church about six years ago through the Duncan family. And he, God called us at a very young age um, to missions and to be on mission. There's a difference. It's, it's everything that we do in everyday life that we are on mission. 
It's about people. It's about seeking and saving the lost. And Lord spoke to us and he said, I have three things that you guys are going to do. And this is your calling in life. And this is your calling in your marriage. You're to be on mission. You're to make disciples. And you're to, to lead people into the presence of God. And those three things have been the core of who we are in our family. And the Lord is at this point giving us an opportunity to be sent out. We are in the spring in February or March of this year, we are going to be selling everything that we have, and we are going to take two suitcases. For you women, you're like, oh my gosh, you're getting, taking two suitcases to Europe, and we are moving our family to Germany. We're moving to Berlin, Germany. Many of you know Jeff and Barb Sirio with European Initiative. They are awesome. We love them, and many of you support EI. We have supported EI for years. And the Lord this year released us and said, okay, it's time for you to go. And actually, initially, we said, well, Lord, I, I, how about like January 2017? That sounds really good. We got a year and a half. We'll get, our, we'll get our junk together. And the Lord said, no, now. And for those of you who um, hear from the Lord on a, on a regular basis, I hope it's all of you, um, most of the time in my life, the Lord says, Wait. You know, like when you ask God a question, it's either yes, no, or wait. And most of the time, it's wait. And this time, it was go now. And so we didn't, that was in July of this year, and we didn't really understand fully what all that meant or why, or or like, okay, we're doing well here. We're thriving in Florida. We're part of an awesome church. And the Lord said, nope, I'm picking you up, and I'm moving you there. Now, what has happened in the last several weeks in Europe that we have seen. It's been going on for a while, but it's become more and more. We have seen this huge refugee crisis, right? There are millions, I heard a number, four million Muslims, four million people who are going to Europe from the Middle East because of of ISIS. These people are fleeing their homes. These people are literally trying to go across the Mediterranean Sea in tiny little boats. And I saw this picture. God, I saw this picture on the news on CNN the other day, and it was this little boy. I have a we have a two year old daughter. And um, so just children, you know, just, oh, man, it breaks your heart when you see this. It was this little boy on the beach and he had washed up and he was dead. And they're fleeing. They're fleeing for their lives. And so God is bringing this, it's, it's a very strategic moment in Europe. And there's a reason why God said now. In Germany, there is projected to be 800,000 refugees coming into Germany in the next year. Right now, around the city of Berlin, where we will be living, there is 80,000 refugees living temporarily around the city of Berlin. Talk about an opportunity, right? Not to mention the fact that Europe, Europe right now is practically an unreached people group. There are 3%, 3% Bible-believing Christians among the Europeans. There is an entire generation of young people who have literally never, ever, ever heard of Jesus. Not even like, not even at all. You can talk to somebody and they're like, Jesus who? We have such a privilege in this country 
that we have heard the name of Jesus and we have heard the gospel and we have access to Bibles. And there is a whole nation, a whole continent of people that are dying without Jesus. This is a strategic time in Europe and God is calling men and women and young people and families like ours. He is calling people to that continent. This is Europe's time. Europe is not a lost cause. Sometimes we look at it and go, oh, God, that's, that's impossible. Yeah, our God is the God of the impossible. Amen? He looks at Europe and says, now is your time. This is it. Here we go. So what is Andy and I going to be doing? We are going to be uh, coming on staff with European Initiative. We are going to be working full-time, both of us, with EI to host teams coming from all over all over the U.S. Um, to Europe, and we are going to really be specifically focusing on discipleship and follow-up and being strategic with ministry to um, the Muslims there as well. So here's the deal. You may not be able to go. Some of you may be called to go. And it's something that as we talk about your purpose, you know, God has a plan outlined for you. God has something that's specific to you. For us, right now, in this season in our lives, he says, you need to move to Europe because this is where I'm planting you. But maybe you can't move to Europe. Maybe it's not something that God's called you to do. But you can pray. And sometimes I think in the church we get a little bit like, oh, you know, okay, pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Da, 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 da. No, prayer changes things. Prayer is powerful. The word of God says that if we pray, when we pray according to his will, he hears us and we have what we ask. The will of God is the word of God. So when we pray according to his word, which says that God desires that all men to be, for all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of him, that means that, that God is going to answer that prayer. And so do not think for one minute that your prayers are ineffective. We must have your prayer. Some of you are called to give. Now, this is not a go give your money, blah, blah, blah. This is not what this is about. This is about what you are called to do in order to see the gospel in Europe. God gave me this awesome verse when we, back in July, when, we, when the Lord really spoke to us. Because, you know, I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know. I don't really want to, like, fundraise. And I just really would, maybe we should just go get a job over there and, and go work. And, and the Lord said, no. No. And I'm like, God, why? Like, what, why, would you, why would you say that? And he gave me this verse out of Philippians, and he said, it's Paul talking to the church in, in Philippi, and he says, it's not that I seek the gift. He's talking about financial stuff here, by the way. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. And the Lord said to me, it is selfish of you to not allow people to do their part in the work that I've called you to do. And I'm like, oh. (laughs) Oh, because God says that fruit, those people that we directly get to lay eyes on who give their lives to Jesus because of the ministry that we do, that's fruit to your account. When God looks at that, he says, man, Jeff and Sean, that's fruit to your account. That's fruit to your account. And so we want, we want you guys to be part, and we want you 
to be able to see fruit to your account. In your bulletins, we have a little contact card. Um, I would ask that you get that out and that you fill that out. And here's the deal, okay? We want to stay connected with you. We want you to have good news from Europe. We get enough bad news on the news, right? Like, thank you very much. We don't need any more bad news. We want to show you the faces and the people, and we want you to see the work that God is doing in Europe. In order to do that, we need to be able to communicate with you. If you're not comfortable putting down, if you don't want a newsletter in the mail, that's fine. If you, want to, if you don't want an email, don't put your email address. Connect with us on Facebook. We have multiple ways that you can connect with us. We have a website. It's called mobilizeforeurope.com. That is Andy and my, our personal website and blog where we put updates, and you can give online as well through that website. Um, and then we also have a Facebook page and an Instagram. We're up to date on technology fairly. And so if you have an Instagram account or Facebook, we'll be posting pictures and, and stories and things. So we want to connect with you. And we want you to be a part of what God is doing in Europe. And so we would just ask that you guys to be able to, to fill those out. And, and we'll go ahead and collect that at the end. And um, we just thank you guys so much for, um, I think Andy's going to have a couple more things to say. And then we'll... We'll let you go. You know, just, yeah, thank you. Just made a statement that really stood out to me. Europe is not a lost cause. Um, we heard a test, I heard a testimony this last week um, that one of the churches in Germany saw over 500 Muslims come to Christ last weekend. You know, the devastation... <coughs> that they've witnessed what Islam does to their country is a real thing that they understand. They've seen it firsthand, and they're hungering for something more. They're climbing the sycamore tree to see Jesus. We want, we want to just encourage you guys. We love you guys. We want to partner with you guys. We want to see, we want to see Europe one for Christ, just like we want to see America one for Christ. Um, so keep up the good work. This is what I want to do in closing. Some of you today, um, you are that Zacchaeus. Some of you today, you look back and you're like, yeah, I prayed a prayer. I even got sprinkled with water at one point. My life's really not that different. Some of you guys today, you're just, you're, you're genuinely wondering what your purpose is. You've not found your purpose because you've not found a relationship with Jesus Christ. And today, I would say to you, is the day of your salvation. The Holy Spirit is here drawing you for a reason, convicting you of sin. And so what I'm going to encourage, I'm going to ask Karen to come up here and just kind of play us out here at the end. Um, But I'm going to ask every eye to close and every head to bow, not for spiritual reasons, just because I want to speak something directly to you that I felt like the Holy Spirit put on my heart. And in Jeremiah 29, 11, it does say that I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Not with monetary wealth, but with the riches of eternal life in Christ Jesus came not to harm you because of the punishment that you and I rightfully deserve for the, sin, for the sinner that we were born to be was placed upon Jesus. 
He was harmed so that you and I wouldn't have to be. He wants to give you a future and a hope. A hope that one day, this Jesus who surrendered his life to pay for your sins and the sins of mankind would come and have a relationship with you and that would come back for us to bring us to the place that he's been preparing for us ever since the day of his departure from this earth. Romans 10 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, meaning that he has all power and all authority to bring you through whatever circumstance you're dealing with, whatever addiction you're struggling with, whatever relationship issues that you're fighting with. He has all authority. God raised him from the dead. It says that you will be saved. And so I'm going to ask this morning, if that's you, if you're saying, man, I've just lost purpose in life. I need to find that again. I need a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to ask you across this room to slip up your hand. Nobody's looking. Just to raise your hand. Thank you. God is here. He's declaring to you your name. Today I want to dine with you. I want to live with you. So for those that raise their hands, I'm just going to ask you to pray this prayer after me. This prayer is not anything special. It's just trying to give words to what the Holy Spirit is doing in your heart and mind right now. So if you can pray this with me, Lord God, thank you for your son. Thank you for the punishment and the price he paid for me on the cross. God, today, I confess Jesus as my Lord. He's my boss. He can rule and reign in my life however he wants. God, today, I believe that you raised Jesus from the dead. I believe that whatever I'm dealing with right now, you can heal, you can restore, you can deliver, you have overcome it all. So God, today, I give you my life. Come into my house and live with me. In Jesus' name, we pray. You know, for those of you that prayed that prayer, I'm going to say this. Anybody that Jesus called, he called publicly. So I'm going to ask Pastor Alan and Yvette to come up here to the left. My left, your right. And I'm going to ask you when the service is over, when we dismiss, as everyone's going out, we want to talk to you guys outside. We've got a table out there that you can drop the information card at. Um, We want to talk to you, but when we dismiss here, I'm going to ask you that made that decision today to come find Pastor Alan and Yvette. Come let them know, hey, I I prayed that prayer. I made that decision today. 
because we are so excited for that decision that you made. And we want to lead you into the next things that God wants to do for your life. It's not just that we pray a prayer and we move on with our life. No, God wants to change us. God wants to transform us. God wants us to be a generous people. And he wants us to fulfill what he said his calling was, was to go seek and save that which is lost. We love you guys. I'm going to pass this over to Pastor Alan now. Five volunteers to step forward right now. Just five volunteers, all right? I'm going to give you an opportunity to give to the ministry of Andy and Jess today if you'd like. Otherwise, take the card home with you. Consider future involvement. Uh, if you're giving by check, make it out to Generations Church. We'll make sure every dime goes to them that comes in these baskets. May the Lord bless you as you give as the praise team leads us in this song. And after you've given, if you're a member of the prayer team, just come on up and join us across the front. and join us on this side. And if you'd like to receive prayer about anything as they're coming forward, uh, come on up and ask them to pray with you. Maybe you prayed that prayer with Andy. You want to take your walk with Jesus to another level. Today's your day. Amen. Let's stand and sing this song together in closing. And come forward if you'd like to receive prayer. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare, you're our living hope, your present Lord. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of love, where my heart beats. Comes free 
Pray. 